This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Welcome back to another edition of Sunday Focus. Now, we have a very, very special summer happening. Well, the Levitt at the Falls, it's back this season for its fourth year. And joining me to talk about this exciting season is the executive director for Levitt at the Falls. It's Nancy Helverson. Nancy, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, we are so excited here in the Sioux Empire to embark on yet the fourth year of Levitt at the Falls. First of all, is that crazy to say? Because it was a couple oh, years ago that it's like, oh, my God, this is happening. And now we're in the fourth year already. I know. Time has flown. Absolutely. <laughs> and it looks a little different than we expected, but I think it's gone okay. Y- you know, yeah, and we'll get into more of those, you know, <laughs> unexpected twists and turns. But first, let's talk about Levitt itself. For anyone who isn't familiar with the Levitt organization, why don't you tell us about it? Sure. So Levitt is actually a national network of venues just like ours all across the country. They were started by the Levitt family who believed in the power of free live music to bring a community together. And at each Levitt venue across the country, it's just like ours, where they found kind of a central location that was underused by the community. And by investing in it, they made this welcoming, beautiful environment where everybody can come together. Absolutely. Now, I know that this is probably really a big community collaboration, but who really came up with the idea to bring the Levitt Shell to Sioux Falls? You know, Tom Dempster um, was really the one who was kind of the catalyst for it. And then Jennifer Kirby was our first board chair and brought all the pieces together. Um, the Parks and Rec played a major role. So a lot, of, a lot of people stepped up when they heard this mission, you know, to build community through music. And they just made it happen. But it took about 10 years from that first conversation that Tom had with the city to our opening night in 2019. Yeah. So since the Levitt started here in Sioux Falls, this is going to be a very, very rough estimate. So bear with me here. How many people would you say enjoy the concerts on the lawn here at Sioux Falls? You know, that's a great question. I think we're probably just past 125,000. But but remember, you know, we've been going for, this will be our fourth year, but we've only had two seasons so far. So that's 125,000 people in two years. Plus, there's all the online programming that has reached over 400,000 people worldwide. And then our community outreach that's probably been enjoyed by another 8,000 over the years now. Absolutely. And with that, too, not only did we have two normal seasons with the Levitt, but then, you know, the twists and turns with that. How many musicians and bands would you say have performed so far? Oh, gosh. You know, probably total musicians close to 4,000 because, you know, some bands are smaller. We've got some bands as big as 13 to 15 people. Um, And then, of course, all of the opening acts, too, that come. And those are all local musicians that we have employed and musicians that we employ off-season to do some of our Levitt in your neighborhood. So it, it, there's been a huge economic impact because of this, not only for 
the broader community, but also for the creative community. Well, absolutely. And speaking about getting that economic boost, let's talk about it. It's not only just about the music, because we all love to hear great music and enjoy and relax. But yeah, it's a huge economic boost for the city. So why don't we talk about those benefits? Yeah, you know, I love to tell this story. <clears throat> when we first built the Levitt, it cost about $4 million all in to build it, right? That one-time build, get it done. What we know is when we first started, we had an annual economic impact of $5 million on the community per year. Now, that was just before we got to full strength, right? Now, with 50 concerts, it's even more than that. And we look at all the, the building that has happened, all that New Lloyd Companies has put into building out this downtown area right around us. We're easily looking at an $8 million economic impact. For sure. I mean, I was just going to say, too, I think a big reason, I believe there's going to be some apartment complexes that are going to be around the Levitt Shell. And I also think the the ice skating ribbon, that's going to, going to be around there, too. So it's it's a big deal to have the Levitt Shell here in Sioux Falls. It is. It is. You know, we are the smallest community to house a Levitt Shell but we've had the greatest economic impact. It really speaks to the power of our community and how we come together and support things like this. Oh, yeah. And there's another big aspect part of it, too, the location of the Levitt. You have the Jones 421 building. You have kind of that Cascade Strip over there. A lot of local businesses just around the Levitt Shell itself. So what do the local businesses report to you? Maybe they tell you how many people visit their establishment or how many people grab something to eat or just walk around in general. It, it has been huge. In fact, I was talking to Jerry Cook who's the owner of Rayfield's Gallery the other day, and I loved this image. He said, you know, when the Levitt starts, it's like watching ants come to the ant hill. <laughs> he said the people just call to the Levitt. Um, and they do say that they kind of wait all year for the season to start, and they see their business go up 50 to 70% during the summer. Is that mainly why the Levitt was in the location that it is right now, just to bring a little bit more of a boost to those businesses that are a little bit on the outskirts of the downtown area? Absolutely. You know, when they first were looking for a location for the Levitt, they looked in several places around town, but um, where we are just really fit the bill. It was an underused opportunity in our community. And, you know, it was a brownfield. So companies really felt like they couldn't build there in a traditional sense where they would have to go down into that brownfield because of the expense of remediating the soil. But with us, we were able to cap that soil and build on top of it. So we made use of a really underused opportunity to make something very special for our community. Overall, Nancy, do you think the economic impact of Levitt at the Falls it has met the expectations or exceeded the expectations for the city and maybe even for you guys as well? Oh, I think it, it has exceeded, you know, and it's, it's, not, it's not even so much what we're doing. It's the vision of our community leaders who see this opportunity and have just jumped on it and really made it special. 
If you are just listening, Nancy Helderson, she is joining me over the phone right now. She's the executive director for the Levitt at the Falls. Now, we've been talking about this already, but now we're really going to get into the meat and stuff of it. So it's been an interesting couple of years for the Levitt. Now, we've been mentioning how the concerts in the lawn, it officially opened in 2019. And yeah, it was a big success. Then in 2020, we all kind of know what happened. COVID changed a lot of aspects in life, especially for concerts. Now, in order to keep the music going for the Levitt at the Falls, you had Levitt in your living room, you had Levitt in your neighborhood, and a whole bunch of different online projects during the season. And last year, the Levitt was back in full swing. So let's go back for a second. How amazing was it to still somehow have shows throughout the pandemic? If you think about it, Nancy, you and your team really made that possible. Well, thank you. You know, it was a joy. I was so worried about the artists that we had planned to have come, right, that suddenly they didn't have employment. And so we really felt like it was a priority for us to figure out how to still engage them, still pay them so that they could continue to do what they do and to provide an opportunity for people to have access, right? We were all homebound. We were all depressed. Music was a way to help heal people during that time and to keep us all motivated and feeling connected. Um, so it was it was really a blessing to be able to do that. And, you know, so many people helped us. Um, Vani Harari and his team at Think3D helped us to put together all of the technology to begin with. And then when we realized we needed an even bigger platform, we were able to partner with South Dakota Public Broadcasting to do more. And as I say, I mean, those... Those online shows were seen by over 200,000 people on six continents. So it was crazy when we would look at those metrics and see how many people we were reaching and what a difference it was making. And, of course, there were some funny things that came out of it. One of the things that we learned is that 16-year-old girls in Vietnam love American country musicians. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it was that that Bo You know what? I think you're right. (laughs) <laughs> Bo, Bo has that, that certain charm to him that you and I were saying for sure, but who would have thought that? It was, it was really fun to see. And, you know, with the technology, we were able to beam in artists from Australia and Ireland, you know, people that cost-wise may have been prohibited in a regular year. Because of doing it all online, we were able to bring them on board. Now, for anyone who isn't still familiar with those two programs, the Levin in Your Living Room and Levin in Your Neighborhood, can you run those down for us? Sure. So Levitt in Your Living Room was our online program where we would do interviews and allow the musicians to either play live or show some of their favorite footage from past years and really just share their music during the pandemic. And then Love It in Your Neighborhood came about because we were hearing about folks around town who were really in lockdown. For example, um, the people at the Avera Cancer Center, right? They weren't able to get out and see people. But what we were able to do was bring musicians there into the lobby of the Cancer Center and play so that when people were at their doctor's appointments or getting the infusion, you know, the music just filled the space and brought that extra sense of hope. Um, when people needed it most. And we did some events at um, the state fairgrounds where they were having food pickups for people. You know, the people would be lined up in their cars in the heat waiting to pick up a box of food 
So we brought musicians there, and they were kind of strolling musicians, if you will, and they went car to car and just played for people while they were waiting in line to get their food. Um, so we just looked for those opportunities where we knew people needed to be together in spite of the pandemic and tried to make that moment a little sweeter. And it certainly made the difference too, Nancy. Now, looking back on everything that happened, would you do anything differently? No, it was, it was, I, I mean, we, we were just so lucky to do what we did. And the only reason we were able to do it is every single one of our donors that was scheduled to be out on the lawn with us for concerts, when I called them and said, listen, we're going to have to pivot. We're going to have to do this differently this year. They all said, we're going to stand right beside you. And they did. I mean, they all allowed us to keep going and have the financial support we needed to make it happen. Absolutely. Now, fast forward to last year when the lawn actually opened. What reactions did you get from the community and the artists just to bring this all back to life again? Yeah, people were so excited to be back on the lawn. Um, So last year, we did 40 concerts. Um, It was a little tougher to book the bands because, again, we couldn't get the international artists. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, their visas were a problem last year. So we had to limit it to people locally, well, not locally, but within the, the U.S., mm-hmm. um, and, and probably more regional than I would normally want to do. But again, it was only because the routing of the artist is what makes it possible financially for them to go around. And with so many festivals not being back, we really had to carefully think about who can we get and how can they get here, you know, for a reasonable amount of money and, in, and a reasonable amount of time to travel. And some of our artists, especially our oldest, older artists, weren't quite ready to be back. Mm. So I have found that this year more artists are back online and back touring, so I'm excited to see that. Well, now that we are kind of back into the, into the normal side of things, I'm sure that there was a lot of fun reactions that artists had when they were performing in front of a crowd. Can you maybe recall a reaction from an artist, maybe it was before the show or after the show, that said, oh my gosh, we actually performed in concert on a stage. This is totally foreign. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were beside themselves excited. And it was funny because some even really seasoned performers express nervousness. They said, you know, I haven't had stage fright in years, but now after not doing this for so long, it's like to get my sea legs back is a little tough, you know. <laughs> but then once they started, they were just loving it. And you could tell, I mean, they just brought so much energy and enthusiasm and positivity to being out there with our community. It was, it was really special. So besides having the concerts back on the lawn, do you still continue those programs like Love It In Your Neighborhood and Love It In Your Living Room? We do, yeah, and actually both continue to expand. So with South Dakota Public Broadcasting, they are now on the lawn with us for all shows. Um, So they capture the video during the show so that they can show it up on the big Dactronics board, but then they take it away afterwards and re-edit it, and we have a television show now that's on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. And then that is also live-streamed in all the places, right, all the platforms. So there's multiple, multiple ways to access the music, um, which, again, just leads to our mission of accessibility. You know, there are some people who, for whatever reason, can't make it to the lawn. They can always watch the playback. They can always watch the TV show. And now we're adding another TV show called Music Matters. When we do the Let It In Your Neighborhood program, 
for example, last year we took a couple of Grammy Award winners out to the YMCA summer camp for kids and did a program. We video that program as well and interview the artists, and they talk about their mission and how important it is to reach the community, and we show that as part of the television show. So it all continues. We just learned things earlier than we expected to. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, for the new TV streaming service that you have, what, what do you call it? Is it Love It On Your Screen, or have you come up with something? <laughs> It, it's still love it in your living room. It's still love it in your living room. You can just see it in multiple places. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. If you are just listening, Nancy Helverson, she is the executive director for Levitt at the Falls. She's joining us on the phone line. Now, the 2022 season, it's here. It's about to start so soon at Levitt at the Falls. So let's talk about this season and the musicians coming this year. First of all, when is the first show for Levitt at the Falls? So the first show will be on Friday, June 3rd, and we will go every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night of the summer until September 10th. And then we also have five Friday morning shows for kids that are kind of sprinkled throughout the season. Oh, those are those are cute. What kind of shows can kids expect for that? You know, we have Grammy award-winning artists coming to perform for our kids. Oh, that's awesome. And most of them are... Cultural, um, we have a Zydeco artist who is a two-time Grammy Award winner who will be doing a Zydeco show for kids. Um, we have a Hispanic artist who will be doing a show that's in English and Spanish. She's also a, a Grammy Award winner. Um, we have a Haitian artist coming to do stories um, and songs from Haiti. Uh, and then we have a hip-hop artist for kids. Oh, my gosh. So they're going to really learn more about music and expand their vocabulary a little bit. That's what we hope. That's what we hope. In total, Nancy, how many concerts are happening this season? So this season there will be 50 um, throughout the whole summer. And then we have a really special weekend, um, July 7th, 8th, and 9th. We're doing a festival called InnoSkate. And this is a, a collaboration between us, the Smithsonian, and the USA Olympic and Paralympic skateboarding teams. And we're just going to take over the block around us. We're going to build a skate park on Phillips Avenue. Um, we're going to have these Olympians and people from the Smithsonian doing presentations throughout the weekend. And there's five concerts that weekend. Um, two of them will feature the Smithsonian Master Jazz Works Orchestra who will be in residency with us for a full week. You know, that's kind of appropriate to bring something like that, especially now with a new skate park that's coming here in 2023. Was that kind of the idea behind it? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, when I heard that this was opening um, here in town, I thought this is the opportunity to bring in a skate. Um, I had worked with the Smithsonian a few years back and, and done a similar program. And so I called them and said, listen, we're doing this thing. How about we do an escape here and add music? So really excited to be able to bring that opportunity to our community. Can you give a little insight on the athletes that we could see around in Sioux Falls? Oh, well, um, <laughs> there will be three of the female street skaters, um, Bryce, Himana, and then we're working on one of the men's park skaters. Um, they're still waiting to get their international travel schedule, so it's taking some time to figure out who can really commit. But some major, major players. It's pretty exciting. And then Chris Pastoris and Jason Lee, 
who created a, a video in the 80s called Visual Sound. They'll be in town. Um, so if you're a skater, these are your people. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. We really think we'll see a big draw nationally um, because of some of the personalities that will be here with us. Absolutely. Not to mention the, the athletes that we could see around the Sioux Empire. What about the artists that are coming here? What kind of music genres can people expect to hear at the Levitt this season? You know, this season, because we have 50 concerts, we've expanded to 10 different genres. So you'll see funk and blues. You'll see country, rock. We have a vintage series this year with kind of old school kind of music. Um, we have our homegrown series, which is all local artists. So there's just a lot to come and see. Um, everybody asks me to, to choose a favorite, and that's kind of like choosing which child is your favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I can tell you there's some really exciting bands coming. Well, let's talk about some of those bands and artists. Let, let's hear about some of the artists that people can see this year at the Levitt. Sure. So our opening night is a band called The Burrows. And they are kind of funk, big party band, big 15-piece brass. So people will love to come and see that. And then I'm super excited about Carrie Newcomer coming on June 10th. Carrie is a Grammy Award winner. Um, kind of mellower music, but just incredible, incredible artist. Let me see who else. Um, Brody Ray is coming. Brody was a finalist on America's Got Talent. And he will be headlining with us in partnership with Pride. So we're very excited to have Brody. He's a country music singer. Um, lots of people were excited last year when we had Brittany Kellogg on our season. But unfortunately, her band got COVID <laughs> and we're not able to make it. So she will actually be coming again on the 30th of June. Let's see. I mentioned the Smithsonian Jazz Masterworks Orchestra. Uh, during InnoSkate, we're also bringing Dessa to town. Dessa is an incredible singer, spoken word artist, rap artist, um, really powerful, powerful female voice in music. And then the national tour for Levitt this year is the New Respects. That will be in July. Um, we're bringing in probably the most requested band from Ireland. We've been working on them for a couple of years and got them. Um, they will be coming on July 28th, and they're called Socks in the Frying Pan. So for people who like that Celtic sound, they'll love that. Um, we're bringing back Brulee on the 30th of July. And then another hometown favorite, Janet or Bob and the Armchair Cowboys, will be August 6th. Um, we're bringing back Corey and the Fireflies, mm -hmm. another fan favorite. And then our closing night on September 10th, is Lee Rocker of the Stray Cats. Do you remember the Stray Cats, Strut? Oh, gosh, yeah, the long time ago. Yeah. Lee is the, the lead bass player, um, and he really is going to bring that kind of rockabilly sound to close out the season. Oh, that's awesome. Now, we already talked about this, too, how there's a lot of opening acts for these artists, and they're local performers. So can you tell us any local performers at the Levitt this year? We're still working out all those contracts, so I can't share the names yet, Ooh. but you'll see those kind of roll out as we go. Um, a lot of a lot of different variety of music. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Nancy, the one thing that you can't tell me, I thought for sure I was going to get the whole exclusive this year. 
I was so close, so close, but that's okay. I'm sure whoever it is, whoever is in the works, they're going to be great, and it's always good to support local artists and just the artists in general for Levitt at the Falls. Now, it's truly an experience for people who want to come and listen to music. Can you tell us about a night at the Levitt for anyone who hasn't experienced it? Absolutely. So, first of all, we want people to come downtown and enjoy a full night. So we will have food trucks on the lawn, and JJ's will be there with adult beverages. Plus, we have a, an area with non-alcoholic beverages. But people can come, set up a lawn chair. If you don't want to carry your own lawn chair or blanket, we have them there. You can rent them. Um, come and enjoy dinner with us. Then at 7 o'clock, the music will start with about a half an hour of the opening band. Then at 7.30, the headliner takes over and they go until about 9.15, 9.30. So it's a, you know, it's an early evening, but it's jam-packed full. We always have special things for the kids to do on the lawn. Everything we do is family-friendly. Um, I can't stress that enough. I want to make sure that grandparents and kids can all come sit beside each other and have a great night. Absolutely. And everybody loves a good food truck, especially here around the Sioux Empire. Do you know the food trucks that are going to be around there? We do. I think you'll see a lot of your favorites that will be out there. And we try to pair them with the music. So if there's, you know, a Hispanic band, we try to bring some Mexican food on. So we, we have a good time doing the pairings. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, for anyone that wants to find more information about this year's lineup at the Levitt or just information about the Levitt Shell in general, where can they go? Yeah, our website is probably the best place, levittsufalls.org. Awesome. And then, Nancy, just tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about this. I know that you've already said, oh, I'm really excited for this band, but really, who are you excited to see and what are you looking forward to this season at the Levitt? See, you want me to choose my favorite kid. I, I don't want to do that, Nancy. <laughs> I, I just want to hear more variety out of you. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I think I'm really just so excited about opening night. Um, the band is going to be great, but I'm just so excited to have our community back together. You know, that's what it is for me. Like, I enjoy the music, but I love just seeing everybody together and seeing people build relationships. You know, it's it's an amazing energy when we're on the lawn together, and that's what it's about for me. You know, we, we say in our team that what we're striving for is radical hospitality. You know, we want everybody to come to the lawn, feel welcome, feel like they belong there, they own this, this is our city, our music, that's what it's about. Absolutely. Once again, it's Nancy Helverson, the executive director for Levitt at the Falls. Nancy, one more time for that website for people to find out more information. Sure. It's just Levitt, L-E-V-I-T-T, SiouxFalls.org. All right. Perfect. Nancy, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. She was only 15. There were tantrums, violent outbursts, screaming, school was sliding, and her circle of friends had changed dramatically. We had tried counseling and finally brought her to Hope Harbor in Marshall, Minnesota. In a short period of time, we knew we had brought her to the right place. I'm John from Sioux Falls. Hope Harbor helps struggling girls and boys 12 through 17. When you think there's nothing more you can do, there is hope. Hope Harbor. Go to hopeharbormn.org. 
I'm Christine Manica, and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank the executive director for 11 at the Falls, Nancy Helverson, for joining the program today. Once again, if you want more information about this year's schedule and about the Levitt itself, you can visit levittsuefalls.org. That's L-E-V-I-T-T, suefalls.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus. This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica.